I really like Led Zeppelin. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's superhero slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's superhero slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And welcome to the Superhero Slate swing and review of Spider-Man Far From Home. Ooh, Chris Adlibin up top. Mm -hmm. That's right, Spider-Man Far From Home, the movie that, uh, unbeknownst to me, actually came out on Tuesday at midnight. I was very confused when it came to buying my tickets. Even though we talk about this stuff on the news episode of our show every single week. I was like, Chris told me over and over again this movie was coming out on Tuesday. But I kept thinking Tuesday night at midnight as in like Wednesday. We- technically Wednesday. So when I finally got around to buying my t- tickets, I had to settle for like a Wednesday showing, which actually ended up being kind of nice because it's a very strange holiday week. Some people only get the 4th of July off. Some people don't get that day off here in the States. Uh, some people can swing the whole week off. People go on vacation. So it's a very weird fluctuation at the movie theaters you know sometimes you might get people just coming in on the weekend so we went on a wednesday Mm -hmm. at like 7 p.m and 7 p.m is a difficult time to make to make it to locations out here in la so our theater was actually a little sparse compared to how it usually was but it was kind of nice it was a chill vibe show up to the theater it was actually pretty empty and still people until people started to roll in so we had a pretty good time good a good audience we all just had a whole lot of fun the dudes next to me were getting really into the into the film at some parts so it was a it was getting pretty fun uh, but obviously, right off the bat, we're not going to spoil anything. Nope. There'll be time codes in our show notes, and we'll do a big audio warning, which is probably going to be me and Chris like screaming into the microphone saying we're about to spoil stuff. Wee but, but, wee that's a spoiler <laughs> sound. But we, we, we ain't about to do that at the top of the Mm-mm. show. No, no, no. I've got to go. I've actually seen Spider-Man Far From Home twice by the time we've recorded this, Mike. I've got to go two times. I didn't know it was Easter. You must be out there on the Easter egg hunt, Chris. Uh, or I'm on Eastern Standard Time. I don't... Is there... Is there <laughs> Is that the joke? Is that what we're going for? Sure. Um, so I actually got to go, oops, uh, Monday night, uh, technically Tuesday morning at midnight. I had that uh, luxury of getting to experience that. Um, Relive your youth at, at a midnight showing. Exactly. And uh, the hardest part's usually between 9 and 12, I, I found mm-hmm. out. Like, I got bored. I'm like, what do you do between 9 and 12 to keep yourself entertained? Yeah, that's true. Because usually, depending on how the night is, you might just be trying to, like, ease yourself into bed. But, yeah, like, I haven't had to plan for anything at midnight since I was in college. Yeah. So I was like, okay, how do we do this? So uh, we, we left about an, we didn't need to, we left about an hour early to go to the movie theater. So like, oh, if we're in the theater, we'll be okay. Um, and then I went and there was like no line at all. And there's hardly anyone waiting outside. I'm like, what's <laughs> going on? Um, most people that show up later, but I got the um, Spider-Man popcorn. Everyone told me not to get for, <laughs> for that. And let me tell you, it's just a uh, colored, kettle corn uh it's very expensive colored kettle corn. It's like 10 bucks for this little carton Jeez, of, of stuff yikes and it's red and it's blue and it's not powdery colored it's like a hard coated shell mm-hmm. but if you need eat enough of those hard coated shells it starts to get on your skin kind of like a it looks like little glass particles kind of like maybe glitter um <laughs> more so glitter but like it didn't stain my fingers as much as the other review said it did like i was like oh there's some stuff i'll just rinse it off and it was fine 
Uh, you can always uh, you can always count on the superhero slate to review any sort of silly gimmicky food for oh, you. Yeah. So Chris yeah. is out there sacrificing his fingers. I'm I'm keeping my eyes out. I also uh, I don't know if you've been to a Coke freestyle machine lately or not. Ooh, what's have, going they, on there? They have these new summer flavors. They've updated the software. The interface is better, and they have summer flavors which are pre mixed drinks mm. together. So you're speaking my language, I love those machines. It had a peach cobbler flavored drink. With, which is a sixty percent Coke vanilla, forty percent Sprite with peach flavor in it. Whoa! And uh, you just push it and it pours it all together into your cup. It's fantastic. That so is how. How, how, how it does is. it compare against that Mountain Dew peach that's at uh, KFC? Oh, that's that's tough. Uh, <laughs> the Mountain Dew peach, I think, is it's a. If this makes any sense, it's a lighter drink to drink. It, uh, it it doesn't feel as heavy as like that dark Coke does, I guess. Because Coke will weigh on you a little bit. I, that caramel coloring weighing you down. Yeah, at the, yeah the color of Coca-Cola is making it heavier for me for some reason. Uh, but, I mean, it's pretty good. It's up there. If you get a chance to try that at any freestyle machine that has it, it's on the main page. It's fantastic. Uh, there's my drink review for that. Uh, <laughs> and then the um, the second time, I actually had to go on the 4th of July day. And uh, uh, my first one, IMAX full theater second one barely anybody in there on the fourth of july at like five o'clock we went five o'clock prime grilling time just to to avoid that that heat that's going Mm -hmm. on and also that awkward time where you're you gotta be really careful with the timing of your film because depending on when the sun sets in your region you might be starting to miss the fireworks yes and we got we got out 7 30 enough to have dinner and uh watch people set off fireworks all night long here in the midwest so uh, two times, uh, both 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 good times. Uh, it was a it was a good good time going to Europe with Spider Man <laughs> and his pals. Well, Chris, so. it seems like you're starting to to show your hand. So uh, lay it on me, spoiler free. What did it, you think it, of this movie? It was awful. I, I saw awful. I saw it twice. Uh, <laughs> like I tell people, no, it's a really good. I, I think this is a really good Spider Man movie. It's a really good follow up to both Homecoming and uh, Endgame. Uh, in games like we talked about kind of last year with Ant-Man in game and Infinity War heavy films man those uh-huh. will weigh on you they need something to build you out of that gut and that depression uh, from those movies and this was a really good uh, good movie now if people are hoping to get a nice clean wrap up for 12 years of movies you're not going to get that in Spider-Man I will tell you that right now do not go in hoping that you're going to get answers to everything you have questions for but I will tell you Spider-Man and Mysterio and his crew of characters uh, on their trip in Europe is a very fun movie. I felt like I was there with them on this trip. It took me back to my teenage years. I'm like, I can relate to Peter Parker in these situations. And uh, it's just a good time. I I think it's a really good summer movie and uh, even uh, even better Spider-Man movie. Mike, how about yourself? Yeah, this movie is going to be an easy recommend, but also difficult to talk about it. Because there is uh, definitely two parts to this movie, uh, and I don't want to spoil anything, so I'll just say this was a, uh, a really inventive, fun time. Uh, give huge props to the uh, screenwriter, Chris McKenna, and I was looking up his credits because uh, the only thing I remembered him doing was the previous Spider-Man movie, Homecoming, and he's he's written a lot of things that we liked. You know, the the most recent Jumanji movie, which we thought was actually a pleasant time since it's a movie we didn't really think we wanted. He wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp. 
He's wrote a bunch of episodes of Community, which is a show I absolutely love, and American Dad, which is a show that I like. So I thought he really nailed it here with the story. I love the emotional connection between Peter and his uh, long lost mentor Iron Man. And man, what a what a fascinating um, uh, send up of uh, where uh, Endgame left us off. I, yeah. I, just a very creative and clever way to pick up these uh, these loose ends, uh, and we'll talk about that more in spoilers. But I had a really fun time, but it was a very confusing time, which I can't really speak on much more. And I confirmed with my wife, we both had very similar feelings with this movie uh, until we kind of hit that point in the film. So all I can say, this is an easy recommend. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can only really echo what you're saying right now. It's a, it's a, it's a great sequel to Homecoming, a great sequel to Endgame, and I'm really looking forward to definitely the next Spider-Man film. I mean, we all knew that there was going to be more of these, of course. Yeah. No, question, no question there, but the film definitely, definitely ends on a very interesting note, if you will. So there's there's a whole lot to talk about here, and I feel like I I don't want to slip the tongue anymore. Mike is towing the line here really <laughs> yeah. carefully. I also yeah. I also have to give a lot of props to the music in this movie. I actually found myself listening to it more the second time around. You know, uh, it's fun. It's funny that that you mentioned that because there was a 4:45 screening of this movie uh, going on next door while we were waiting for our theater to be cleaned. And so I was just out there sitting, uh, you know, eating some popcorn and I could start to hear the music come through the walls. And I was like, man, this act, this sounds like we're in for a really, really fun time here. Cause I could just like kind of hear the third act coming through the wall. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could agree with you there. Yeah. And that's not something you normally talk about in a Marvel movie, but there are, there are hints of uh, stuff from the first Spider movie. There are new, uh, new tones for this one, and then some uh, throwbacks to his time in uh, the Avengers movies, the two he was uh-huh. in. So, uh, really, really enjoyed the music. Something I don't normally say, but I mean, it's no surprise, um, Mike, that you know uh, there were you you heard the people having a good time watching this because this is the number one Tuesday opening. We didn't talk about the box office <laughs> yet, but like before we get into spoilers, I just want to drop this on people. Mike um, did the research. He just he found out that this was the number one Tuesday opening of all time. Let me tell you, it had a run for its money. Some of the best movies come out on Tuesday, uh, including other Spider-Man movies. Yeah, and what else, Mike? I, I forget. I forget everything after Spider-Man again. Well, I mean, honestly, I didn't even know this movie came out technically on a Tuesday, but the first Transformers film came out on a Tuesday, which I still like that first Transformers movie. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take jabs at that. But the Tuesday opening list is very kind of interesting because we're all familiar with movies coming out on Wednesdays. That's usually the holiday release to get ahead of it. Um, but Tuesday, it's like what what movies are you seeing coming out on a Tuesday? You got like random things like. Kate and Leopold, Juno, movies you've never heard of, um, raking in like $700,000, and a ton of fandom events. So, you know, those trailers you see at the beginning of all of your films where it's like, oh, do you want to watch this recorded, like, a musical theater number inside of a movie theater in your local town? It's a local fandom event. The, uh, those are bringing in about like $300,000. So the Tuesday list is pretty funny. So when you see the headlines of Spider-Man Far From Home, number one Tuesday opening, wasn't a whole lot of competition there. It's only second to the amazing Spider-Man, the, um, uh, man, I already forgot the kid that played Spider-Man on those. Toby, uh, no, not Toby McGuire. That was uh, the first one. Yeah, uh, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Yeah, that's right. So second only to, to Andrew Garfield. So, uh, but you were saying it's also, um, it was also somewhere in on Wednesday too, right? 
yeah, so it's the number one Marvel movie on a Wednesday. Oh, uh, gotcha. Most most of them come out on Thursdays, honestly, uh, rather than Wednesdays or Tuesdays. And mm-hmm. uh, with the 4th of July being a rotating holiday, you never know what day you're going to get uh, with it. Um, I don't think anything's come out on a Wednesday for them yet. I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp, maybe last year. But, I mean, that probably did it the week before. Uh, so this is the number one Wednesday for Marvel. So, I mean, that's got two days in a row. Good legs. Good legs. And this is the number two Fourth uh, of July movie ever, right behind like another Transformers movie. <laughs> Transformers always coming in. Yeah, July so for a long time that was like the box office month for the summer. That's where you put your biggest heavy hitters that your studio could possibly produce. But now July just kind of seems like another uh, just seems like another summer holiday. Just you know, uh, I saw that Hobbs and Shaw trailer. Uh, in, the new in, front of my, in front of my theater, uh, uh, yeah. and that's when it's coming out soon. So that's just going to be another. I don't think that's July though. August second. I, yeah. I I looked at it this time, and then also, uh, what was it? Uh, the new Juman. You mentioned Jumanji, the new Jumanji movie. Jumanji. Uh, What's yeah. Jumanji? Eh. <laughs> uh, yeah that that one actually looked funny too. I was like, oh, that's a good Sony movie coming up. And we don't say a lot of good things about Sony here on the show but uh we sounds like we're gonna say some good things about Mar- uh, marvel sony thing here with spider-man so spoilers mike can you do my alarm for me he's <laughs> <laughs> gonna go. do a european uh ambulance wee woo wee woo it's the other way so uh we're we're in the spoilers here we are um guess what mysterio's a bad guy who would have thought uh, okay. that? I got so I got to put this out there. Uh, I don't know if I'm like just like a daft person, but I was kind of believing that Mysterio could possibly be the good guy before I stepped foot into the theater because we saw in the trailers that he was kind of being pivoted as a good guy. And, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal was playing him. Jake Gyllenhaal kind of has, like, a very friendly face. You know, Marvel's been taking these different angles for all of these different characters. So I wasn't surprised that they could possibly try to turn Mysterio into a good person. And the fools that we were and everybody else was out there, we totally fell for the bait that there was going to be all of these multiverses. So I was like, okay, well, this can totally explain a possibly a good Mysterio. So when I'm watching the movie, this, this like, kind of, like, first act and maybe part of the second act me and my wife were both just like what is going on here like the way jake gyllenhaal is like playing mysterio just seems so weird to the point where like we were kind of not digging the movie for this kind of first portion of the film Mm -hmm. we were like why is he being like so nice it seems like his character has like no no sort of like detail to it he just seems like on the surface like so nice like it seemed like we had already had like a previous Mysterio movie somewhere out there. I was like, "Where's all the development for this character? What planet did he come from? Why did it like dist- why did it get destroyed? Like why are they pushing this relationship so quickly? Like why are all, all of a sudden like Peter and Mysterio just best friends already? Seems like there'd be like some sort of like something, some sort of tension between there. And then when they're in that bar scene and he hands over the glasses, I was just like, "Okay, I think something's about <laughs> to happen here." I better see like a side eye from Jake Gyllenhaal here when uh, Peter leaves this bar or else I think this movie's officially lost me. I was going through these thoughts in my head, Chris, during this film. I was like, is this it? Is after Endgame done? Have we just dropped the quality of all of these Marvel movies all of a sudden? Are we just trying to take it down easy street and we don't have to develop our characters anymore? And then bam, that turn right there, which I was hoping would come. It's not like it was totally unexpected because Mysterio is a bad guy. Historically, through all 
all of the comic books, and his number one superpower is basically deception at its very core. So when it finally happened, I was just like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Thank God this is what this movie needs right now because so much of the first act was just really bugging me. I was like, why do we need another worldwide threat? Like, why does something, why does the planet always have to be in peril? Like, why can't it just be like a neighborhood level crime that Peter's dealing with? Like, you know, there's no way that this molten man could destroy an entire planet. Like, nothing was making sense to me, and I was getting very frustrated. So that's all to say when this turn finally happened, I was very excited, Chris. Very much so. Uh, and just to, to point out, I've seen this movie twice, okay? So I've mm-hmm. gone back and watched it with that revelation. Also, the second biggest revelation of the movie uh, Nick Fury and Maria Hill are the scrolls uh, the oh, whole yeah. time. So <laughs> literally nothing in this movie is as it seems from the get-go. The first mm. people we meet, Maria Hill, Nick Fury, Jake Gyllenhaal, all three of them fakes throughout the whole movie, which is really interesting. And when you go back and rewatch it, you see Marie and Nick bicker like a married couple, and they've never done that before. Mm-hmm. And Nick Fury also falling for this Quentin Beck person. That would never have happened either mm-hmm. uh so that was really like you start like oh he's doing all this because he's not really him and um ben mendelson is talos i love the way he talks and like intonates every word so that was a really fun reveal but there are those people the people i went back and confirmed this so quentin beck's this not his real name whatever his real name is is based on the barf technology he built the barf technology in civil war mm-hmm. uh and the guy who built the drones is actually in Iron Man 1. That mm-hmm. was not a fake out. So the guy who was like, Tony Stark built this in a cave. That is Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Yeah, I started seeing that. So I, I know that they did that flashback where, where, um, where he was saying he built this with a box of scraps in like a cave. Uh, so I could believe that they brought him back. But I'm going to go and make a guess here that Jake Gyllenhaal was not oh, no. actually in the shadows on the stage no. for the barf scene. No, that's that's <laughs> the one retrospect they added in. But the yeah, other that, one was real. Sense. I mean, how would you not spot Jake Gyllenhaal in that film? Like people go over every frame of these Marvel movies. There's no way Jake Gyllenhaal could have like made it by, you know? Yeah, it, Exactly, and and um, I also did not know this guy who played Ralphie as a producer on Iron Man One. That's why he had that role in the movie. Ooh, I hope he's getting some of that back end money. <laughs> well, he, well, he's getting new movie money now. He's probably one of my. I, I've got I've got two complaints about this movie, Mike. Before I forget, mm-hmm. he is one of them because every time it's like, nah, the drone fell off. It's fine, and the guy's like, dude, that's evidence. Uh, and then later on, he's like, uh, the. The drones are breaking formation. He's like, ah, it's probably a flock of birds. Like that guy could give two shits about getting caught or go or like anything going wrong in the movie. I mean, movie. I guess he, I guess he's just really bad at his job. He, he was not into it at all, and I was like, why? Like this, like every every time Beck found out it was Spider Man doing it, it was because that guy was just like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> so uh, I just I thought that was kind of weird. And then the other thing is um, the Peter Tingle. They don't explain why it doesn't work at the top of the movie. Mm-hmm. It just. All, all it does is May throws a banana at him, and he doesn't catch it. And she's like, I thought you could dodge bullets. He's like, yeah, I'm, I need this trip. And that's really the only explanation for why Spider-Sense doesn't work until the end. Yeah, and we haven't really had any um, 
specific moments before where Peter has been actively using his spider sense, right? I mean, yeah, uh, he's like, I can believe just superheroes in general can just kind of like dodge bullets. So I've never really known, is his ability he, to dodge stuff just his quick reflexes well, of just being a hero? Or is he, act? I, I almost thought in this film he was finally developing the spider sense. No, like he had never had it. No, he has that um, in, um, I guess, Civil War and Far, and, and, and uh, not Far from Homecoming. Homecoming. Because he has those, there's those scenes where his um, uh, reflexive eyes get bigger, whenever, mm-hmm. and then time slows down, and he dodged some stuff. I think most like the vulture and some stuff yeah. in Civil War. So I he mean, has I, had it. They just don't. They just they're not they're not beating you over the head with it like they do in the other they did in the previous trilogy yeah. movies. Yeah, I guess you just assume that the that the loss of Tony and just having an alien come to Earth and being uh, snapped away. And yeah. coming and coming back was enough to like remove his powers, but yeah, I guess there is no specific line that really telling you yeah. why he doesn't have it. Yeah, exactly. And at the end, he like he just he just does. <laughs> but, but Peter uh, Tingle is a hilarious line it, that had that had my crowd n- like just going crazy. When every time they brought it back up, like when Happy's just like, "Oh yeah, like you're Peter Tingle." Yeah, the 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 ambiguity of Happy dating Aunt May was was very entertaining. Yeah, about the whole. Uh, a, a byline up until the end moments and like are you dating them and one's like yeah one's like no so uh i, I think it's, i really got a really good european vacation vibe out of this mm-hmm. um especially whenever um uh first off when they land in uh what's what is it venice and like their mm-hmm. hotels like oh it's under renovation for improvements uh the teachers were hilarious as well Oh yeah, all the all the characters in general in this yeah. film are really really great. Like you love to see like Ned and hanging out with that girlfriend and him like slowly becoming like a man over this trip, or I guess very quickly becoming a man over this trip. And uh, Martin Starr, who played the teacher with the glasses, and and it took me a while to realize that we all had this theory that uh, JB Smooth could possibly be J Jonah Jameson, and then he was on the screen for like fifteen minutes, and I was just like, oh yeah, we thought he was gonna be J Jonah, yeah. didn't we? And then I kept trying to catch the teacher's name, like, oh, is his name like Jonah or something? Nah. Like that? And, and it wasn't. I was like, okay, I guess just JB Smooth. Ju- he's just he's just a goofy teacher. Yeah, I think his name was like Julius or something like that. Uh, but uh, he was a teacher who did not want to be in Europe whatsoever. He uh, just kept saying everything was witches, which was- <laughs> as a man of science, witchcraft. Uh, and then um, he there was also. Um, Whenever they went to the Alps, I really enjoyed um, the drone strike on the bus, uh, which was really fun. Peter dealing with Edith, even Dad, I'm the hero. That, that, so if, if I had to kind of like nitpick about this film, since you put it in yours, I think my two nitpicks would kind of really focus around the drone technology. So I totally get why Stark would give access and control to Peter over these classes. He's totally earned it. They were basically like father-son mentorship type of relationship. So there's nothing wrong there. But like, why can't like Peter just figure out how to interface with like a computer for like once? You know, he's like a really smart guy. We've he already kind of had his fumble in uh, in Homecoming when he accidentally put the suit on like lethal death mode or whatever, and he didn't mm. want to kill those guys working working for the Vulture, and the eyes turned red. And it was a funny scene, but I kind of just figured he maybe would be a little bit more careful with these systems now so when like there was like a missile literally like coming for the bus like i thought it would be more realistic for him to honestly just shout out of nowhere in the middle of the bus just the word no and then people would just look at him and think oh peter's being really weird just shouting random words on the bus because something as simple as just saying no will 
stop your classmates from dying. You don't need to tell people to look off the bus for mountain goats and then jump out the window um, and shoot the drone. But I that mean, made a good a, scene, though. Yeah, it, 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 it looked did cool. Made a, it did make a cool make a cool scene, and it was very very. Uh, necessary to introduce these drones because these drones are very pivotal to how Mysterio works. So maybe there could just been a cleaner way to do it. And then also at the very end, it's like, like I understand that a Mysterio needed the right verbiage to, for his final plan to go off. But like Peter, why did you say execute them all to all of these killer well, drones? Be- because they sub that verbiage that 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 um your your points are actually related because they set up that verbiage in the glasses on the thing he's it's like do you want to execute that um and he was like yes so like yeah, the verbiage yeah. she used was, was related later it, they're tied together i see your point but they're also tied together yeah but uh, but like i said it's just it's a nitpick so like it, it doesn't affect overall but, in the whole movie but like if i had to like kind of dive in somewhere it's just like peter figure you're a very smart kid figure out how to interface with te- this technology well, already because it's already kind of screwed you twice in a very big way and well and and well if edith was able to delete phones pictures off a phone couldn't like they do the same thing with this footage or, or yeah, whatever yeah. You would think so, and also uh, not to like jump all the way to like the post credit scene, but like if Mysterio wanted to cobble together like a fake video to like out Spider Man, he didn't really need Spider Man literally saying execute them all. Like you know, it wouldn't be that hard, especially in this kind of climate that they said in the movie about you can't trust anything, everything's fake, people will believe anything from anybody. Like Jake Gyllenhaal didn't actually need those words coming out of Peter's mouth to make the video damning. Uh, so I was like, eh, there's a lot of weird kind of stuff going well, on here. And they also did the angle where they don't show Spider-Man's face with Jake Gyllenhaal, and then they just flash mm-hmm. a picture of his school photo, which I'm like, that's not really a – you can't draw that connection. Yeah, I mean, did, did like did his GoPro camera like on that bridge, did he just not tilt it up high enough or you, <laughs> what exactly was going on Do you think Mysterio's there? dead? You know, okay, this is good. You saw the movie twice, so mm-hmm. I really need to know this. So when he was uh, laying down on the ground, being a hologram, right? Yeah. We hear a we hear a gunshot, and I thought that gunshot was like from a sniper. I thought that was like Maria Hill, like from like a building away, like shooting him. But then uh, Spider Man like uh, takes the gun out of his hand, and then what happens to him? Like, did he? He, did he, he was he, he already shot by the drone? And so yeah, I think he side? got shot by the drone and then pulled this illusion thing. But uh, when Peter's exact words are, "Is this real?" and Edith said all holograms are are currently down. Uh-huh. He didn't say is he dead. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, and this would be a good thing if he's not dead because everyone always complains. Hey, you finally get a good villain and you kill him off. I really like Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Yeah. If we if we really want to dive into this type of character, um, everything was very believable around him because that was a big question, right? How yeah. are we going to have Mysterio's powers be uh, be uh, believable? I mean, you could put him in the realm of like Doctor Strange or something, but then okay, you're going to have to like do tell all of the storytelling of how does he connect to these wizards and how do you not put dr strange or um or uh wong in the movie when he's using these magical powers like you're gonna have to have that crossover somewhere so when it comes so the way that they develop this drone technology is like yes this is totally working like this uh hologram technology we've seen work plenty of times and it looks great you know they introduced the drones early on in the movie it's not surprising that these drones would even be a thing because iron man's built like fully autonomous suits that run around yeah. so I, and I think what really sold it more than anything else is we had that really 
really, really awesome scene and really clever scene when they were all in that kind of like that abandoned theater when they were choreograph when they were doing yes they were doing all the choreography because like yes you would actually need to do that they are rehearsing and practice to them it's all a show make the show mm-hmm. believable it's a play and um, so much so that after they get the glasses I really like that scene where. Um, Gyllenhaal goes from fatherly figure with the glasses and then he's like and it's that easy and he like does the toast and like runs uh-huh. you through everything I'm like he's so charismatic and you're like all these people have been burnt by Tony Stark they're not really from another universe and you're like uh-huh. oh damn the curtain's been pulled back we now see how the magician's doing his tricks and it's his transformation was fabulous in that in those moments uh-huh. uh, throughout the whole thing and um, and then he was also again he was very smart he was the smartest man in the room sometimes he said and he yeah, was like ne- ne- never apologize for being the smartest man in the room and, I, and he used that to get to where he did yeah and I really like the the, the motion capture suit that he wears because it just kind of pulls more into like this realism of how you're uh, how you're really selling the Mysterio like he kind of like had a half helmet on anyway with like the heads up display and like the microphone and he didn't try to look cool because he know he he knew he didn't need to look cool at all because he was going to have a hologram on him the whole time and, 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 and he had and the he lady al- steam in the cape. So <laughs> yeah, he also had the real suit too, which was great. So I just loved how this was all very much thought out because I hate it when um, when uh, movies are just like, oh, there's like gods and Thors out there, and there's all of this magical shit happening. So we don't need to go to this length to explain all this stuff. The audience will just give us their money, and they won't care. So I loved that they actually cared, and then when we actually got to the Mysterio mind trippy stuff, oh, I was geez. like. I was like, this is this is directly this is like ripping pages out of a comic book and putting them right on screen. I was like, this is exactly how Mysterio operates. They just nailed it to a T. Like all of these trippy visuals, Spider-Man like falling through stuff. They did some really cool match cuts in those scenes where like Mysterio's head would turn into like a fishbowl or like a snow globe or something like that, yep. and Peter would be stuck in it. And it also helps that we had just played the Spider-Man game like a year ago when we actually had to interact with these types of scenes with Mysterio. Well, well, no, that, that wasn't Mysterio. That was like Poison from the Scorpion. From, uh, Scorpion, but well, kind of a similar vibe. It's like, well, I said, I'm like, have you ever played the Batman Arkham games? No, I haven't. But the, the Scarecrow does the exact same things to Batman oh, with those cool. poison. And, that, and like, you have like, you know, he's getting punched with the fist. Everything real is hidden from him. So like when he goes to punch Quentin, it's, a, it's actually like a column of, of concrete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he webs something and pulls down the crane into the, into the illusion. Like, it's awesome and then it's only compounded that much more whenever he's in the hallway fighting the invis- quote quote invisible drones in the projection mm-hmm. as well in the hallway using only his peter tingle yeah and also it was great that those uh that those drones were weaponized because you try to be like okay well the, if these elementals aren't real well, how are they causing damage and then you realize oh yeah because the drones have like light they have like tasers on them and stuff so Flames, this is all, yeah. all working the only thing that they didn't that you kind of have to stretch and just believe that they did it is uh, it seemed very impromptu for Jake Gyllenhaal to have to confront Spider-Man in that big empty Berlin warehouse, right? Yeah. Um, because they didn't, he didn't know that that's what was going to happen. They didn't know this whole plan was going to fall apart and he was going to find that hologram. So uh, Mysterio puts on a very elaborate illusion for Spider-Man in this warehouse. And it's just like, I really don't think he had time to be able to have finesse that illusion so much. So I guess maybe he kind of has a little bit of like freestyle ability too. Like, you know, if his team's just like firing on all cylinders and they kind of have a goal, maybe they can just kind of like freestyle some of these events 
sense and they don't have to be well, totally choreographed. He, he could have used that before on Nick Fury and Maria Hill. If they yeah, were the Talos possibly. versions, and he's like, hey, we're in an office building, and then next thing you know, it's really mm-hmm. not. It's an abandoned But kind yeah, of thing. But, but this is kind of some of the great thing that Marvel has done in the past. Like, if the execution is just so fun yeah. and so entertaining, and all the actors are just really, really giving their all to the role, you can kind of look past kind of that bigger question of just like, well, I don't think he would have had enough time to prepare this. But it's just like, who cares? It's really cool. Like, it was, really it was awesome. It's almost, I think it's trippier than the Doctor Strange visuals at this point. Oh, yeah. And those are three, those are almost three years old now, believe it or not. Um, I got to, you know, while we're talking about the actors giving all, I got to, I got to give props. You know, I always like to see uh, Peter and Ned hanging out mm-hmm. together. Uh, but with Ned and his newfound girlfriend was on the trip. Uh, oh, yeah. But then they broke up, man. But they broke uh, up at the end. That's, love, that's a journey. Love is fleeting. Sometimes adults yeah. just grow apart. <laughs> yep. Uh, I actually enjoyed uh, Mary Jane, MJ, more in this movie than the previous one as well. Yeah. Uh, I think she had more to do, more lines, and she sold that quirky personality a little better mm-hmm. rather than being the creepy one on the side. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really I really dig that and that, that kind of quote-unquote happy ending uh, there for for Peter and Mary Jane. Uh, Peter that, also that. came back on the same flight they did, and even though he was supposed to stay in Berlin, by the way. I just want to point <laughs> that out. But, um, yeah, that and, and the teachers. And I tell you my favorite actor in this, uh, J.K. Simmons, the uh, one and we're only. Gonna let, we're going to let that out of the bag. That was the last thing I was expecting. I just <laughs> didn't think they could get him back because it's kind of this weird thing. Is like, well, yeah, we, we have re- recast like Chris Evans, you know, from the Human Torch, you know, into a different character. But like, this is him reprising his role. So it's kind of this weird thing of like, he's just going to perpetually be uh, well, J. Jonah Jameson. He, but I'm totally fine with it because how can you do any better? He's like the perfect cast. I have never heard more reactions in a theater in my life <laughs> until the moment, like, oh, the Daily Bugle.net. I'm like, okay, great. I understand this. And then, lo and behold, it's a, it, again it looks different, and because he doesn't have the t- flat top hair, he's got the uh-huh. you know thing. But it is just J.K. Simmons right there, like being J. Jonah Jameson oh, yet again. Yeah. And you're like, I can't wait to see this version of him. I know it's not going <laughs> to change a whole lot, but like he's also not the stogie smoking running the old newspaper make the headlines saying he's running a, a conspiracy website yeah i love this angle that they're taking it's very uh, reminiscent of the j jonah jameson podcast from the spider-man video game yep uh, so now it seems like he's taken definitely the alex jones Infowars approach so he's just going to be like this crazy conspiracy dude that's just going to be uh throwing all this stuff out there so i'm really curious how much he's going to factor in j jonah was never really a pivotal part of the Spider-Man movies. He was just kind of always there, uh, just kind of being an accessory to the plot. Um, and I can't imagine he's going to have too much of an influence on where the story goes uh, directly. You know, he's just out there reporting the conspiracies that come across his desk. So he just might be a fun foil every once in a while to pop yeah. up. Well, even in the even in the comic books, he never really takes a front seat in the story unless, like, his son gets involved or something like that. Well, I mean, it, it all depends. I mean... There are more where he is is a big point, simply because he's consistently putting the public against him. And it's not really anything, you know, like, he's not out there, like, kidnapping Peter Parker's girlfriends and, and threatening his family kind of thing. Uh-huh. He's just, like, being a nuisance on, on, on the whole. But with the new website, you know, we live in a, you know, a world of fake news and all that other stuff. And, uh, you know, there's no Tony Stark out there to hijack those screens across the world and and stop these from perpetuating. I'm interested to kind of see how that goes. Um, yeah. It was just, it was just such a, 
of all the things I didn't expect, even oh, in the yeah. end credit scene with Nick Fury on a spaceship full of scrolls, <laughs> sword. That's just that's gotta be. Sword, it's gotta which, be sword at this point, which is an acronym I or, don't remember. <laughs> or it, it could be. We talked about the the newest version of the Ultimates being um, in space and guarding you know the space as a whole with Captain Marvel, Black Panther. We talked about possibly becoming a movie. This could kick off that version of it. Yeah, it's uh, basically going to be the Justice League watchtower, it seems like. It's just going to be the the command post for space threats. And it, it seems like they've logically finally built up to that point. Like, if you were to introduce, like, a space station in the first Avengers, I would have been like, oh, okay, this doesn't seem feasible. Like, if you're just getting around to flying helicarriers, I, I can't quite see that leap to space quite yet. But since we've had Captain Marvel in the MCU now, we've seen all of these space threats. Now it seems totally plausible <laughs> that kind of the world would kind of group together and they would just throw a ton of money into orbit. Well, you know? this, this is not that. This is not that old. Only people on the ship were scrolls. So I think this is a Captain Marvel led base, like because she's been out there twenty years or plus. Oh, at this so you point. think maybe she hired Nick Fury herself? She or, she know, brought Nick like Fury that. to space with her. Be like, look, I, let's go out here. I think something bigger is going on. <laughs> Bitch, you've been to space, which but, is even funnier to think about now, knowing that Talos said that. Yeah. So he's just like, oh, I wonder what Nick Fury would say right now. He'd probably call him a bitch right now. So I'm yeah. going to call him a bitch. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so I mean, with with that being said, those are all scrolls up there. And we always thought the scroll invasion could be a villainous invasion, but it sounds looks like it might you know a friendly scroll invasion i don't know uh they keep using that i i didn't see that coming and it's still not a big a surprise as jk simmons returning but like what about the, all the possibilities of phase three we talked about being or phase four being cosmic based are mm-hmm. now coming to fruition at the end of all these um, yeah the past th- couple of years and this and this seems like a really good uh, this seems like a really good compromise in the middle because if you go too far into space you're removing yourself from earth which is taking your audience out of the film we don't have our way to really empathize in there anymore with the threat of the earth so if you're kind of partially in space but really you could look out the window and still see earth I think you still have that earthbound connection but I don't so I don't always like the pull in like Batman versus Superman and Justice League in these conversations because you're just like okay Mike what are you doing here you're stretching here Uh, this movie did the exact right way to show how a planet mourns for a hero when they sacrifice themselves and die it totally made sense that you would see Iron Man graffiti all around the earth everybody would love Iron Man wondering who's going to take up his mantle because he, he didn't just like save the planet he saved like half of existence and he was a very upfront uh, superhero. He was on. Everybody knew his identity. He was on. Cam- he was in front of cameras all the time. He had that type of personality to where the world love him or hate him would know him. So when he would sacrifice himself and die, and he would be long gone there would be that affection and people would want to know what happened to him. And that's just the polar opposite of what happened in the Justice League. Like, no one cared about Superman. No one really knew who he was. And he wasn't honestly Superman for very long when he died. So I loved how they really nailed that with Iron Man. And it's fun to see how it can really work um, and I love the visuals that Mysterio did when he had like the Captain America and like the statue that fell over, and then the zombie, the zombie uh, Iron, Iron Man, Iron Man which felt very much like Marvel zombies. Like I never thought I'd get kind of like that um, that, that close Easter, to it, that yeah. Easter egg in a movie. So I was like, oh man, those visuals are so cool. So I loved how they really nailed that. And just, like, tying up all these little loose ends, like, what happens, like, when these people come back into the existence, like, the marching band, like, blipping back into reality, and then just little lines like Aunt May talking about displaced people, 
like when they come back, like people yeah. living in their apartment. Because like, yeah, all that makes total sense. There would be this weird minutia that would happen on the earth. And you don't need to go into every detail, but just one movie bringing up these little facts just here and there is just enough to go like, okay, they're not trying to skirt over this weird storytelling problem that they have to get around. They're going to face it uh, full frontal. And with some of the kids, I mean, it is coincidental and very favorable to the story that all of our main characters got dusted and uh-huh. then came back. It's not, it's not like Flash Thompson ended up being five years older, um, but it was funny that that one kid was Brad, five years older yeah. and he was hanging around Brad, which I was looking up some Easter eggs. I guess Brad was actually a real character um, in the comic books. I don't think he turned into a supervillain or anything, but I think he was like a he was like a jock love interest of Mary Jane at some point in the in the anthology of Spider-Man. So that actually was based on a real person. So that was hilarious seeing that some people did grow up and they moved on. That one kid said, um, oh, that that opening class announcement. That was so yeah. funny. And the I will always love you it, with the comic sans. He's just like, yeah, my younger brother's now older than me. That's messed up, man. That's so math. Funny. Yeah. 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 So, it's, it's good. And they got the, 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 the two kids with the. Like iMovie making the, the tribute video for everybody. Which I guess yeah. in this respect, it didn't make me think, you know, we know Captain America lived, but everybody else thought he died in that battle. Mm-hmm. The, the world would think Captain America is dead, you know? Since yeah, they, that's true. They use the time travel later, so... Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I just, it's that was that was really. Fun. I really liked the kid. I really felt like that awkwardness Peter did when he was like, "I got this plan. I like this girl, and nothing's going right." And I'm mm-hmm. like, I can relate to that guy. I remember being young and stupid. So <laughs> I, I, I think it was good. To, I had a really good time with this movie, Mike. And and I think you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else I can t- say other than repeating the whole the whole thing. But I mean, it, I, it's got to be. I, I it's hard to rank Spider Man movies. They're, there's some that are really good. There's some that are really bad. Uh, but I think you know, I I really think this is a a good follow up to the first one and and in game. And I look forward to seeing Spider Man as soon as possible again. Uh, after oh this. yeah, it, it's going to be really entertaining to see where they go. I mean, obviously, the one thing that we haven't brought up yet is now his identity is yep. really out there in the open, which is something that historically happened in the comic book Civil War. So uh, they they're obviously going to take it a different direction. Um, like, uh, how many people are going to believe this? Is he going to go back to school and just tell everybody that Mysterio was lying? But then at the same time, why would Mysterio just lie about a random teenager uh, from Queens? So uh, Who was known to be to, on vacation at those same yeah. places? Yeah. Is he going to have to drop out of school? Is he going to move into the Avengers compound because there's nowhere else safe for him to go? Uh, the, the relationship with Mary Jane is probably going to get a little dicey after that. You know, she's still just like a normal kid. Yeah, and this is something they've really never got around to in all of the other Spider-Man movies we've had, you know. We've had his identity revealed to individual people over time, but this is the first time the whole world has ever gotten his identity. So, yeah, you really don't know what they're going to do here. You know, in comic books, this kind of stuff gets retconned all the time, or, you know, sometimes it's not that big of a deal. But since we really connect with these humans on a screen in an emotional way, yeah, I really gotta know where this is gonna go you would think maybe the next spider-man movie since it's kind of like um school themed maybe it's gonna be like called spider-man graduation maybe Mm -hmm. he's finally gonna like move on to college and then maybe he's just gonna be naive and think oh he can reinvent himself when he's go when he goes off to school and nobody will know who he is i don't really know there's so many questions what happens to to spidey going forward who who is the villain in the next one mike that's the real question here who have Mm -hmm. we not uh 
done anything with. And if it goes, if it picks up from here and he's a, a, a known, uh, maybe they turn him into a wanted person. I don't know. I mean, he technically would be an Avenger, so like they would stick up for him. But you know, since we don't know where the Avengers are now. Like, he could be maybe Craven as the villain. They're doing a Manhunt-style movie. Yeah, I could see something like that. I'm happy uh, that Spidey is finally back in the city, for real. Like, this is the first time they've um, specifically put him around skyscrapers in New York. It felt very much like the Spider-Man game, which I was very happy to see him swinging around. I was like, yeah, I swung right back, right by that in the video game. And also, make sure you update your Spider-Man games, because they put those two far from home suits in the game i yep. swung around with them the other day very fun so i i hope the next movie they put him in the city i want to see like spider-man proper swinging around new york trying to be the local neighborhood spider-man he's going to have that menace stink to him a little bit so i'd imagine he's going to save some people they're going to be very unhappy they're not going to want his help but he's going to do it anyway because that's what spider-man does because and they they treaded on that a little bit in some previous spider-man it, movies is the next one the Clone Saga or a Miles movie where a second Spider-Man shows up while Peter's still around and they hmm. start to believe it's not him? Yeah, I mean, do you try to figure out like how quickly they're going to ramp up these Spider-Man stories? It seems like there's still a whole lot that they can tell before they start doing like things... You know, like clones or yeah. bringing in other Spider-Man, they still haven't even introduced Norman Osborn yet, which I think is going to be a really big pivotal portion uh, of the third film because we still don't know what's happening to that Avengers Tower yet. It's very you know, green. It's got a hole you know, in it. Th- yeah, there's a chance if Norman Osborn ends up being more of a spanning villain, maybe he's introduced first in a different film and then he finally gets around to Spider-Man. Maybe Spider-Man doesn't think Norman is a bad guy off the ver- uh, off the bat. Maybe Norman and hires them or something like hey i want a hero that's also smart working for my company uh, i want you here and then he keeps tabs on him uh, i i would love to see norman come in um, we obviously still have the vulture in play we still have scorpion in play mysterio could still be around so that's half of the sinister yeah. six right there if you throw in norman you only need to add two more people to this equation well uh, what what if a sinister six movie is maybe a uh, an avengers film yeah, that could be it. Uh, it's very it's not earth shattering, earth's not ending, but like you put those six people together, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, or, or it could be like a Young Avengers movie. I don't know yeah. historically who has led the Young Avengers, but if you think about it, if Spider-Man kind of is taking the mantle a little bit from Tony, maybe he's yeah. not quite mature enough to handle an adult squad of kid of adults, but maybe he could handle like a younger squad of kids. You know, maybe he'll end up like running like uh, a pseudo Young Avengers. Maybe it's not official, but maybe he gets a ragtag group of heroes together to help him save New York, you know, uh, because uh, a New York level threat would be enough for him to maybe get a couple people in. But it's hard to imagine somebody like Spider-Man trying to save the entire existence of a universe, you know? Yeah, exactly. He just kind of hung out for a little bit the last two movies and kind of got his butt kicked mm-hmm. several times. So he's he's not he's not his his score is not that good right now. Say the least, but uh, no. I mean, I think I think we've. I mean, to me, I think I've 
said about all I can, but I mean, I, I again recommend it wholeheartedly. And really, I, I think the hardest thing is going to be waiting till May of next year for the next Marvel movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we're in a dry spell now for sure. I guess uh, I would be surprised if you're still listening to this podcast and you haven't seen this movie, but I saw some people out there online asking if they should see, if they needed to see Endgame before they see Spider-Man. And to those people, I go, what are you doing with your life? you got to go see these. you got to go see these movies. These are everything to me. So I think you absolutely have to see Endgame before this movie just to really get everything out of the film. Obviously, you, it's not like it would be impossible to fo- follow the story. You could infer what happened, but, yeah, you got to see Endgame before you see this one. Yeah. Come on, people. I mean, this, this throws back to even Iron Man 1. Like, you mm-hmm. have to watch all of these now because there's a scene in Iron Man 1 where Tony Stark built this in a cave, and you got to watch that scene now to see mm-hmm. Ralphie being yelled at by... Obadiah staying. <laughs> yep. But uh, Mike, this is uh, middle of the week. We actually still have a couple of days till we do our news episode. But people want to know what you're up to because we are prepping so hard for San Diego Comic Con. Where can people find you at? That's right. You can find me at Mike Royer Design on Instagram and Twitter, and you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. Chris, if people want to catch up with you, so you're out there uh, grilling and chilling, where can they find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter, Valdan V A L D A N. You can also find me on Instagram. I got uh, my latest Spider-Man Far From Home pop vinyl in the mail. It's uh, him in the a shield suit with his glasses flipped up. It's pretty cute looking here. No, not the Night Monkey suit? To the Night Monkey. Oh, fair <laughs> the Night Monkey. Um, and you can also head over to Comic UI. Uh, people want to know about our regularly news program that we do every week or any other of the other movie reviews we do all the time. Where can people find us at, Mike? Well, the flagship podcast of superhero slate the news episodes you can find those and everything else we do at superhero slate.com uh you can get all of our awesome show notes there too when we're talking about the news there's so much to catch up on there all of these uh, all of these inf- all of this information trickles out every week and we compile it all for you so even if you don't listen to the show you can also just check out our show notes to see everything that you might have missed it's almost like your it's almost like your crib sheet it's like your cheat sheet for the news um, so you can keep up with everything and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts and you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can get that sweet new summer merch design of uh, Iron Man's Infinity Gauntlet Glove holding a cheeseburger at SuperheroSlate.com slash store. We love hearing from you. What did you think of Spider-Man Far From Home? Did you get a chance to see it on Tuesday night at midnight like Chris? Uh, mm-hmm. Did you have to wait like a like a pedestrian like me and see it two days later? Um, uh, we want to know what you thought about this film and what you think about the show in general. So reach out to us. You can email us. You can drop us a line on Twitter or Instagram or reach out to us uh, directly on Twitter um, at our, uh, our at our handles. Uh, we yeah. love our super... We love our super fans also. If you want to be a super fan of this illustrious podcast, all you got to do is share the show with a friend, share the show with a buddy, and we will be here every week. Stay subscribed. The news is coming in just a couple days. That's right. We will see you there. And if you have any recommendations for Comic-Con, we two episodes and we'll be there, Mike. Uh, send it our way. I'd like to, like to know if anyone's ever been there. And we'll catch you then. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. And I can play the desk drums. Yeah, there you go. We got a whole, uh, we got a duet going here.